0: Hello, listeners. Hugh here. After recording this week's episode of our end of decade review, me and Sam realised that the episode was a little bit too long, so what we decided to do is break it up into three parts. This is part one, so what you're about to hear is 2010, 2011, and 2012. Enjoy!
1: Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates who captains in their view in history I recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, as always I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how, is he? how are you? Hi Sam, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Uh, have, you, have you had a nice 2010s?
0: 20... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, listeners, we're going to do one of those shows that... Uh, it, everybody's no no everyone's not doing um we came up with this idea it's quite unique we're going to do a retrospective of this decade because some of you might not be familiar with the fact that we
0: are podcasting
1: innovators (laughs) right now we are podcasting at the end in a year that ends in nine so we're going to do not only a year retrospective but a decade retrospective yeah i've had a very good decade actually it's been significant i would say how about you hugh Um, I mean, every decade
0: is significant, I suppose, for me. Um, Yeah, film-wise, it's been really good. I think it's been one
1: of the best years, uh, one of the best decades uh, for a long time. Um, I think it's fair to say that films have proliferated, you know, that anybody can make a film now on so little money that we see so many cheap, cheap films uh, this last 10, 20 years.
0: Yeah, and so many, like big budget films as well. I mean this is like this has clearly been the the decade where CGI realism has jumped up another notch. Um yeah, they've th-
1: tried a few uh, gimmicks as well, you know, 3D made another appearance in the last when was avatar 2009. So yeah, just yeah, about so literally the last the end 10 of the last years. Decade. But, you know, box office numbers, even though there's no longer five cinemas in every town necessarily, um, they're still not doing too bad. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into in it, in it later. The, but, I know in the know. US
0: they've declined over the last few
1: years. Right. I mean, we're yeah. still, still quite a few films hitting the billion and above, which is just outstanding.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it's been alright I, I was, um, for both of us it's the first decade that both me and you have both been adults for
1: uh, the entire decade Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, at the start of the decade we turned sort of 20-ish uh, and, Yeah, you were um, 20, I was 21, yeah And then here we are, so it's has been a pretty significant decade of uh, growing up, really, I think and uh, no, all mm. that So, as for what the listener hello listener, you can expect today is, we are going to talk about each year from this last decade, we're going to talk about notable films, we're going to choose our top film each and then we're gonna hopefully unanimously decide okay this is the please watch this film of X year for each like year our recommendation yes that's right it's a please watch this um, we'll also talk about our favourite actors and actresses and directors uh, from this decade there will be a quiz as always of course and maybe even some novelty awards to hand out uh, if, for, for a laugh so it could be a long haul apologies but uh, you know it's free content isn't it so stop complaining uh, and uh, let's get straight into it, shall we? We shall. So let's start with uh, the you know the obvious start point, 2010. 2010, logical. So yeah. b- a big year film, lots of big uh, blockbusters came out this year and long-awaited films. So Inception, Toy Story 3 came out. Uh, this year, The King's Speech, which I believe was the best, uh, best picture. Uh, a lot of big films. What would you say is your number one film from 2010?
0: So the two films that I've got down here, the two films that made the biggest impact for me this decade... uh, for this year, sorry, were uh, The Social Network and Inception. I think they were the two that really um, blew my socks off, so to speak. We Um, went to see
1: Inception together, actually, didn't we? We did. One of the few times we have been to the cinema together, really.
0: Yeah, and I was absolutely bowled over, and you were questioning the um, logic of it. I had nerd rage, didn't
1: I? I had a petty nerd rage. Um, yeah. Mostly over, basically as a psychology type person, and I was studying psychology at the time, i just about finished um, studying psychology for my degree. So I was, you know, sort of annoyingly aware of some of the faults in the, how they interpreted dreams. And I know that's not really a problem at all, but it's like if we went to see... I don't know a film about a period of history that you like, uh, that you know really well, and they got things wrong or or whatever. I, think I don't know. I think with that, with historical inaccuracy, it's
0: more when they miss something that was pivotal historically speaking, and they don't address that it happened. And that's where I get like my nerd rage. Uh, so,
1: so the key the key problem with Inception, uh, one of the key problems is that idea that dream time is slowed down, it's not real time, that's just not true, and I think Weird Science or some sort of, some film like Weird Science back in the 80s and 90s, they had a similar thing which was, you know, well you're, you're asleep for eight hours but your dream only lasts five minutes, therefore dream time is much slower uh, than real life, but actually it's because you only sleep, you only, dr- you only dream during, you know, REM sleep stages, and actually studies have shown that it is real time, it's happening in real time, so... Was but, that
0: was but, that known in the eighties? <laughs> yeah, it was in the
1: fifties here.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. But I think in terms of like audience understanding, sorry, just to defend the film there a second is that it actually does feel like you, time is slowed down when you're in a dream. You know, when you sleep, you don't you're experiencing the dream in real time, but what because of your perception and your memory of it, you don't feel like you've remembered it for like four hours. You feel like it was a lot. The dream was only a bit smaller than that, so it seems like it went slower. So I think in terms of like a narrative device, it it didn't seem illogical to the lay audience, and it looked
1: great. But it's not. It's not. Um, I know now that my nerd rage was petty and not needed. It, I mean, you know, something like Lucy, I still hate that film because it made that ten percent of our brain. We only use ten percent of our brain thing, which mm. has just never been true. No one's ever thought it was true, other than you know, like women's magazines or whatever um and that was the whole central <laughs> yeah. tenet of the film and like they they show what percentage of her brain she's now using and then when she gets to 100 percent, you know she can levitate people off the floor and all that sort of shite so i you never, know i never watched it because of that the whole honestly of it was, it was, was insulting just... it was so insulting even you know to not somebody who's even thought about thought about psychology it was the stupidest film i've ever seen definitely up there for my um Worst films of the decade, actually. But yeah, I mean, Inception, another thing was just that it, it didn't really capture what dreams actually feel like to experience. It was just an everyday, like, occurrence that can be a bit trippy. But actually, dreams are just so disordered. Um, and they're not as concrete and as... I, I I'm I'm being really petty. Inception is a... When, I, when I've watched it again and again since, I just take it as this great rel like relatively smart blockbuster with amazing set pieces and good drama. So I I do really like Inception, but it's not on my list.
0: Yeah. I well it is definitely on mine. So what um so they're the two films that I would Put forward uh, the Inception and the Social Network for best film of that year. The Social Network um, really captures the nuance and understanding of what was happening in like the early two thousands around the um, the creation of Facebook, and uh, it was a very smart, um, you know, very smart uh, screenplay by um, Aaron Aaron yeah. Sorkin. Well, this is it, directed it, by it, David Fincher. And they made great a deposition.
1: Really, really cinematic, you know, and I think just from a writing and directorial point of view, the you know and the soundtrack from Trent Reznor that it was just such mm-hmm. an achievement at how exciting and dramatic it made talking, which is you know, yeah, Aaron Sawkins the guy to go to for that sort of thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and the, the narrative structure as well. It's like not, it's not a linear narrative. It's a lot of it's done through flashback in these depositions so the narrative's not always um you know an objective narrator you're not sure how much of it's true how much of it's false um it's yeah it's oh, it's an amazing film and a very They're flawed
1: both... a very flawed protagonist as well there's a really excellent mm. um uh, sort of dissection analysis by uh, lessons from the screenplay just on that first scene where he's getting dumped by his girlfriend talking about how these two people um are not talking to each other Uh, I remember Charlie Brooker saying the best bit of advice he got, I think it was from Russell T Davies, was um, that... Dialogue and talking is just two monologues clashing, <laughs> and actually, people are trying to get across what they're trying to say without really following what the other person's saying. And it's this great thing because he's talking about how he wants to uh, get into the I forget the name, you know, he wants to get into these uh, prestigious elitist gr- groups, and uh, yeah, the um, what are they call the uh, fraternity houses, that sort of thing. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, and she's talking about something else entirely, and then yeah, she's this great bit part character that, that really sets the whole. The whole film uh, on fire, really, which is, yeah, really good film. For me, from that year, so uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World would also stand out as being an extraordinary film. Just the, you know, because it's it's Edgar Wright being Edgar Wright, you know, but in a in an American context, sort of really. Uh, so if uh, you've seen Scott Pilgrim, I assume. Yeah, a trippy
0: sort of indie, um, like. Beat them up <laughs> with great yeah. music. And Whilst also really... being like
1: weirdly ambiguous as to whether or not all that stuff's sort of really happening and it doesn't matter if that's, re- you know, it's this hyper ultra you know <laughs> ridiculous film and it took it took quite a year to edit it, it was, I remember he did a podcast with them he was a, a guest on Robin Ince and Josie Long's podcast and said he'd basically lived in LA, LA for a year hid himself away in a sort of you know windowless room came out like a sort of pale uh, fleshy zombie type uh, having edited this brilliant film that turned out to be a flop but people absolutely love it still it was a flop? yeah relatively yeah
0: that's amazing. I would never have thought that that film would have been a flop just because of how well made it was. I didn't I didn't see it in the cinema at the time, but that would have probably because I didn't have the money to go or someone else who I think it suffered from maybe bad um, marketing. But there's yeah. some great but there's, a, like, there's a great scene in it where <clears throat> he's waiting for a response from her and he's just sat by the uh, door <laughs> cross-legged on the floor. I love that bit. Yeah. <laughs> and these roommate's like, what are you doing? Waiting for the post? It's like, you've just literally sent the letter. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's, it's the visual humour as well. And it's this, I don't know. Yeah, it's really hard to describe Absurdist it. Absurdist nature of it, isn't it's it? It's really absurd. And that there's just scenes where you go, well, where is the cut? There was no cut there. And yet somehow he's gone from that place to that place. And it's every every transition from one scene to another is kind of done in, a, in an art, eventful way. And, and I think I'm right in saying that a future episode we're going to do is baby driver and again he's edited everything you know the music fits the sounds during ca- yeah. ch- uh, car chasers and so on he, he really likes to get stuck in with the editing good old edgar Wright.
0: another film that was kind of in the similar vein uh to this film was uh kick ass
1: yeah i think an honorable
0: mention for kick ass yeah that was uh 20 20- i thought that was 2011 actually kick ass uh, I've no, got it. No, it is 20- two thousand twenty ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I must have seen it in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, again another sort of um, film that itself kind of plays on nerd culture and um, what it is to be like alternative and the the kind of weird things that you're into. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that film. Um, yeah yeah. so yeah I mean there
1: are lots of films we could talk about Four Lions somehow we haven't mentioned just one of the funniest films and you know it's a film about um, terrorists and it just got no complaints from Muslims and terrorists because it was just really thoroughly well researched and the joke wasn't against the terrorists it was god what a film Four Lions is
0: yeah it's
1: one of those that's so smart it probably could get into university yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and it's Chris Morris you know this, the biggest brain in uh, in comedy writing, really. He's got yeah. a film uh, out this year, actually, which I'm very excited to go see. It's about um, people it's being... About, it's about the FBI
0: make basically making groups in America that weren't terrorist organisations into terrorist organisations. Yeah, and then locking them up them. for years and, and years. Yeah, and arresting them and detaining them under their own. And that... I don't know if that story comes to light in this. I don't know if it's like almost documentary style in that, you know, it actually co- tells you what happened once it got found out. But yeah, it's, it's an astonishing scandal. Um, and that's something that Chris Morris is always very good at, is he he looks at a very real problem and can turn it into humour without making the characters come across as... as not real or not with not to be motivated correctly
1: yeah i mean i remember him in an interview with about four lions saying you know he read about a bunch of terrorists who wanted to put loads of bombs on a boat and then take the boat somewhere and, and then blow it up but they hadn't accounted for the weight of the bombs and the boat sank and he said and that's really funny like we should be able to laugh at that because <laughs> that's ridiculous a group who wanted to um uh, assassinate, I can't remember if it was like the Canadian president or something, they were all geared up and they were ready yeah, to go. Yeah, because Canada has a president. Or oh, so. whatever, you know, the Prime Minister or whatever uh, and uh, I can't remember, I can't, anyway, I can't remember which country it was and um, well, It wasn't fucking Canada, was it? <laughs> well, the the Premier of, uh, anyway and, and it turns out none of them knew the name of the leader, <laughs> like they were all ready to go, their plan was set and not, not one of them knew who it was, you know and he just said, you know, it's a very serious topic but it, it should be laughed <laughs> at because it's ridiculous tell you, the Canada of President dodged a bullet that day, didn't he? <laughs> yes, the Canada
0: of <laughs> President, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I see another film uh, t- that was uh, big news in 2010 was Toy Story 3. Um, Toy Story
1: 3, I just... It became, for me, the best um, trilogy of all time when Toy Story 3 came. Toy Story 3 is probably my favourite of the initial three. Yeah.
0: I don't feel like Toy Story 4 needed to be made. It just... No, but then it, again, I th- didn't think was...
1: Toy Story 3 needed to be made.
0: Um, I did, yeah. I, I think they made a good choice in making that film. I think it's it it kind of rounded it out, and then they were like, "Oh, they're making another one." Why? What was the necessity to make another one? But it's there it. you go. I still it's not a bad it, film. Oh, sorry, fault, I enjoyed it actually. Uh, so I've seen, seen it. it. <laughs> it's good, but it's just it doesn't add anything more than you already had. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I look. I
1: do look forward to seeing it because, but you'll enjoy it. My uh, my daughter's seen it a million times, and my partner and all that, but uh, I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, right. So, twenty ten, we need to decide on the please watch this recommendation for twenty ten. What, what do you reckon, Hugh?
0: Well, you what is your favourite film of twenty ten?
1: I think my favourite film is Scott Pilgrim. But not Cemetery Junction. Yeah, that's true, actually I'm not I've not put it on that list, have I? Uh, yeah Well this is it, yeah. yeah. Favourite film is Cemetery Junction. I've not we've not mentioned it. But I know no, it's, it's not it's... the best film.
0: No, but this 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 is a subjective yeah, list true. of films that up uh, songs, uh, films that you like. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the true. President yeah. Canada is listening to songs. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so it's not doesn't matter if it's not a great film. If it was significant to you that year,
1: then it's it's a great film in your eyes. So for the listener, if you've not seen Cemetery Junction, you don't know much about it. It's Ricky Jewell and Steve Merchants uh, first. Uh, film together, only film together I think and uh, it's about three young lads in in Reading in the 70s and it's kind of about deciding what you're going to be in life and getting out of that small town it's based on a Bruce Springsteen uh, Bruce Springsteen lyric (laughs) Bruce Springsteen lyric, Uh, we've both been very ill this week so our brains (laughs) aren't exactly working on it, Um, Bruce Springsteen lyric which is, uh, it's a town full of losers and we're pulling out of here to win and Steve Merchant, in an interview, would, he said, you know, America's got a lot of great kind of coming-of-age stories about people going in their drive and they go out and they, they travel for a bit. But, you know, in England, you drive and you drive and you drive and you get to Leeds, and it's not quite as exciting. But it, it was like a love letter to England, uh, and it really captured. And it was it came out when I was leaving university, so it was just absolutely perfect because universities, it kind of go, you know, school, college, university, black hole, adulthood, you know, so it hit me just right, i followed it for a couple of years in the production, uh, reading Ricky Gervais's blogs, and then it was turned out to be fantastic, with a little cameo from Carl Pilkin Turn, and a little cameo from Steve Merchant's parents, and you know, it was just really, really good
0: Yeah, you got you got um, you know, you got involved with it, basically <laughs> yeah, into the, you wanted it to do well, and it, you were glad that it succeeded in your, in artistic terms, I've seen it, it's yeah, it's okay. Um, I don't think I was invested in it like you were. Exactly. Um, it's probably
1: a 7 out of 10 film, objectively, but it was a 10 out of 10 when I watched it.
0: Yeah, and Felicity Jones is in it and uh,
1: she's gone on to have a good decade.
0: Just began um, my,
1: my love affair with Felicity Jones. Very one-sided. <laughs> you know, she, yeah. you'd think she could just... If you're
0: listening, though, Flick, <laughs> the engagement can be called off at any time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's, on, she's on my laminated list. Um <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> looking at our lists, I think the social network probably has to be our 2010. Yeah. Pick. Personally,
0: I would have got, I would have gone for in- Inception in that year. Um, yeah. But the social network, they're, 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 I can't split them to be honest with you because it is one of those films that I've gone back and watched three or four times over the years, and yeah, for a film that only came out ten years ago, it's it's mad that it's still it's still resonant and it's still relevant today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. by, you know, by by even by its own very nature of what it's discussing, it's you know that was talking about the relationships. I heard it described as. Uh, you know social network was developed by people who who didn't have social skills to interact with each other so obviously inevitably (laughs) that these people would betray each other and lie to each other and not be able to communicate correctly and have to talk through intermediaries to convey what they were saying so it's a very interesting uh, way of looking at that film I feel and uh, yeah it's just so smart isn't it I mean Honestly, did you know Army Hammer was one person in that film until, <laughs> it's, after the film came
1: out? You're right. We talked in, the, in Gone Girl, really, David Fincher using CG when you don't even realise it's CG. You know, it's just very realistic. And yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen Army Hammer in anything before. Just assumed this is a big, handsome pair of twins. Oh, right. It's one guy.
0: Yeah, he says that there was people who who had known him for years and years, came up to him and went, oh, I didn't know you had a twin. <laughs>
1: that's really, like, that's neat. the best compliment that film could get, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, the reason I would have gone with Inception is simply because after The Dark Knight came out, how can a filmmaker possibly top what's probably perceived as their best work? And they go and top the best work. And not only do they top it with it not being a sequel, they also they top it with an original idea.
1: Yeah, no, I think, that, uh, yeah, a lot of credit has to go to Inception. I think Dark Knight's better, but um, yeah, Inception is great. But I think I think we have to lock it in. I think Social Network has to be yeah, our definitely. number one for 2010. All right, well, that's, yep. that's 2010 locked it has in. has to be
0: a unanimous decision. So. And
1: there we are. On this one occasion, we agree. Uh, let's see how we get on with the other uh, nine. So 2010, uh, sorry 2011,
0: uh, the year before 20 after 2010 even. <laughs> good to know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to keep you in the loop, audience. Um, so a film we've both got here on our list is Drive. So up until this point, I didn't really think much of Ryan Gosling. Um, I don't know how I ended up seeing Drive because I don't think I would have gone out of my way to watch it because the advertising for it wasn't very good, and then it looked a bit fast and furious-y, I mean there's that famous story that a woman in America sued the produ- uh, the makers of the film, the producers, because the trailer didn't uh, match up with the film, but have you ever seen <laughs> a film not enough driving yeah, it, Well it was kind of advertised as an action film and yeah. then it's actually this slow burn yeah. sort of... A
1: really good film that's not a dumb film at all is it?
0: No, and it's, it's you know, it just ramps up in its tension and gratuitous violence, like, I wasn't expecting that film, I was like, I I think I watched it, so as I've mentioned before, I worked at Blockbuster for about eight months uh, during the end of its uh, lifespan, and, um It wasn't my fault, FYI. (laughs) But I think I got it through work. I think I borrowed it through work. Because at that point, I was watching so many movies, I was kind of getting down to the bottom of lists. And I just took that home one night because I was intrigued to why it had an 18 rating. Because a film that didn't look like an 18 from the trailer... And then you're like, why well, has that got an eight rating? That that intrigued me, and then it was the violence.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, spoiler alert funny. for many of these films tonight, though, audience. That is important. So yeah, what, yeah.
1: Do, would you agree with Drive being a great film for that year? Drive is brilliant. Yeah, Drive is is, is really excellent. And it, um, yeah, I think I was a, f- I think I watched it a few years later as well. Um, and yeah, because it's Ryan Gosling. His, that's really the most Ryan Gosling role. That there is, I think, out there, similar to Place Beyond the Pines. You know, he's a man of few words. He's very cool. Mm. Uh, he can sort of take it or leave it, and he's and he's got this, enorm- you know, like, this enormous talent um, that really separates him from somebody. And uh, yeah, every time I watch, I've only watched it three or four times, I think. And every time I watch it, there's a new side to it that affects me. You know, whether it's the Bryan Cranston sort of arc, whether it's Carrie Mulligan's uh, role, really. Yeah, brilliant film. Yeah. Really amazing soundtrack as well. I think I mentioned before, I I, I mark to that soundtrack and Place Beyond the Pines soundtrack. Just really, yeah. really, really good soundtrack.
0: Speaking of another um, Ryan Gosling film, you've got here Blue Valentine on your 20... Sorry, that was on your 2010 list. Yeah, We did yeah. discuss that. If you want to just of, jump um, back quickly and... Possible. Mention. That.
1: I, I don't necessarily need to mention all the films on my list, but yeah, Blue Valentine, again, really brilliant. There's a... there's for for those who haven't seen it, it tells um, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams's kind of love blossoming in a similar way to some scenes from um, the Notebook. He's this sort of charming man, and then it cuts to much later in their relationship. He's kind of balding and getting a bit fat, and they're they're falling apart a little bit. They're having money problems, and then it kind of intercuts. I've only seen it once. It's quite depressing, and it's kind of showing the 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 blossoming of their relationship and the downfall of their relationship, in almost consequential scenes. Um, and it's great, great couple of films for Costin to have sort of back to back those two years. 2011, yeah. 2011 was an interesting year for film. Really, there's uh, the big film that year. I think the big surprise film that year was The Artist, and I still haven't seen that. I've had the, I've had the DVD for about seven years, and I just, really, yeah. I mean, it was just you know it won a bunch of Oscars despite being. Black and white silent film for the most part, uh, but it just—it's the charming, most
0: Academy film-winning film I've seen for a long time. Right, it, it really was. People, you could see who voted for Oscars when that film won right, Oscars. Yeah, yeah, it, its fine, but there's one bit of sound and it comes right at the very end, and right. it's, and it's very disturbing when it does finally come because, <laughs> yeah, it's. I I didn't find it memorable. I just, honestly, I I know I've watched it and I remember the little bit at
1: the end, but yeah, it didn't really stick in my mind. This is the great thing about doing these retrospectives, you know, many years later, there's an old cliched idea, which is that Oscars really should be given 10 years later, because it takes 10 years to find out really how how resonant a film is so the king's speech nobody talks about the king's speech anymore and yet that one over the other film like social network that we've mentioned uh you know for that year we've got the artist nobody really talks about that anymore hugo nobody really talks about that anymore. well i think
0: the king's uh the king's speech kind of came out in the kind of the december january of the year that's before, it it's so good pr it's good of, timing it fits I think all inception the inception and the social network came out i think inception was it June July or an August release I can't remember exactly when no to see it but it was a summer release and the social network was an autumn release so um yeah I, but I totally get your point there should be like a retrospective Oscars shouldn't there? they like they should. should
1: yeah I think I think it was cracked the cracked podcast that I originally heard the idea that there should be a 10-year gap and it's true because yeah so many these films people don't really talk about Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy anymore People don't really bring up the rubbish. Descendants. Yeah, it's it. And these were huge films at the time. Um, the Descendants, fun fact, I haven't brought up Community yet today. Um, Jim Rash, mm. who plays the Dean in uh, Community, won the Oscar for uh, writing that. Best adapted screenplay. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that Dean uh, was so talented. Yeah, no, yeah. Apparently he'd just bring it up occasionally in the conversation. You know, he's got an Oscar. Uh, and, you know, a little another while we're on, Jim Rash, uh, do you know where he had quite a funny memorable cameo in another great American sitcom this is one of those where you you'll remember the character
0: you either know know it or you don't yeah
1: so he he's the guy on the plane I don't in the last episode or penultimate episode of Friends where Phoebe says uh, talks about the left phalange uh, and says uh, the pilot says you know or the stewardess says there are no phalanges on the plane Jim Rash is the guy goes there's no phalanges on the plane and he kind of they create an uproar to stop the plane basically to let Rachel off
0: oh yeah he is in that I do remember that it's I remember him being in an... yeah but I don't remember <laughs> that I don't remember it off the top of my head like no that's you, fine uh... anyway so um, you know time is money Sam time right. is money and, so you know s- maybe one day we'll do a, a Please watch this special on Community because
1: I think we ought to. Because
0: Christ knows you're ruining it for me
1: <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else. Another great film from 2011 is Shame. Michael Fassbender, uh, Carrie Mulligan. A, and Carrie yeah. Mulligan again. Yeah, it's basically a sex addict, um, and it's you know it's quite not not brutal is not the word, but it's very kind of raw and uncensored. He, yeah, it he, doesn't he gets his knob out. <laughs> he gets his knob out. That's mm. that's basically what I mean by that. And uh, yeah, really good film, kind of, you know, good investigation of those. Um, uh, is that a film that you particularly warm to?
0: Uh, I, I don't think it's a film you can ever say you warm to, but um, <laughs> it was very much... It's a very well-made film. It's made by... Directed by Steve McQueen, who went on to win the Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. Correct. Um, so it was... It was. It's a great nuance, and it looks deeply into this character's psyche, which... Um, it's not on my list of favorite films of two thousand and eleven. Um, I've. It's one of those that I may go back to in at some point to watch again because,
1: it it was it was stru- it's a stark film, isn't it? I think it's a great way of describing yeah. it. Yeah, and I don't. You know what? I mean, I'm looking at this list of twenty eleven films. I don't think it was a stellar year for film, just in terms of there's not that many that jump out. Things like Limitless. I enjoyed Limitless, but it's certainly not. You know all-time favourite kind of thing. The Guard was really good, but it wasn't up there with his brother's work. uh, Oh, well, uh, for me, The
0: Guard has... You you should mention The Guard. Uh, That's on my list. Really? Oh, that film's brilliant. If you're from Ireland, that film is (laughs) even funnier. Now, obviously, I'd you know, plastic paddy over here, but yeah, (laughs) I've not met people like that character because it's a bit... It's a bit of a way of looking at larger-than-life characters that... Some, you know, populate the west coast of Ireland, but there's brilliant. He's like, here in the Wisht. <laughs> you know, they really do speak with that Shh. They really push the air through their teeth and they say, the Wisht. And, um, <laughs> I thought, like, the little boy when he comes up to him and he's like, oh, are you, um, are you with uh, the CSI or whatever? And he goes, <laughs> "No, I'm FBI." And, ah, FBI. And he just, <laughs> he just cycles off in disappointment. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's not
1: sexy enough for him. Yeah. He's the, like he's he's the t- kid who, who finds all the guns. Is that right? And He wants to keep. Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. he's a really funny kid. That that guy. Oh, I mean, oh, I'm, that
0: character's brilliant, isn't it? I was yeah. like, it, like, um, I was like it when they make kids not stupid in films. They don't make them not children. And yeah. make them seem like adults, but they give them that children aren't thick. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, it's, it it.
1: it's not. Um, like easily misled or anything like that. He's, yeah. No, I think yeah. it is a really good film. It is a really really good film. Um, yeah. and another and good character. funny film. Brendan Gleeson is just brilliant. You know, he's a great character.
0: Another very good funny film uh, from 2011, Bridesmaids. Um, that film is hilarious. I, I knew which you know, way you watch it? I
1: rewatched it again, and it's. I didn't find it that funny actually.
0: Have you seen really? it recently? Um, no, I've not. I mean, I watched it a lot when it first came out because uh, we had it on DVD. So
1: I, can't, I think I, I've, ha- I've had my fill of it now. But yeah, and it, there are some really good things to it, and it was it was groundbreaking in many ways. But it's there's just some scenes that are kind of like an SNL sketch that's that's trying to fill four minutes when it's really a, th- a thirty second idea. You know, that's not quite as funny as it. As it needs to be. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't get through it when I watched it again. I, I remember quite liking it the first time, but I don't think it's up there with the great comedies.
0: Okay, and then the final film on my list that I just want to give an honourable mention to is the Brad Pitt film *Moneyball*, which is about. Um, his character, uh, Billy Bean um, being the general manager of the Athletics, uh, I think it's the Oakland Athletics, and him taking upon the revolutionary um, use of this um, statistical methodology called, that they dubbed Sabermetrics, and how he took this failing um, franchise in the um, MBL, uh, Major Baseball League, yeah. Oh, Major oh, yeah! Le- yeah. You is it ML- MLB? MLB no. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Major League Baseball. Like person, and he takes them almost within striking range of becoming uh, the World Series winners. And they go on this amazing run. And that in itself is a bit sounds a bit cheesy because it's. But the film's kind of shot. Is a way. It's a character study. It's it's very professionally. It, it, it feels very professional the way these people act and the very you know obviously Billy Bean's a real person. He was a he was a highly rated uh, young baseball player who never quite made it in. He made it to the big leagues but was never he never fulfilled his potential. Um, the Joe well, maybe a bit harsh, but the Joe Coles of this world, I'm, I would argue. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and Billy Beans. Uh, I think he's involved with Liverpool now. Um, or yes,
0: wars. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. There was something in the news about it. I, I don't know the particulars, but yeah. it was. Have you seen Moneyball? It's got. I have. Um,
1: yeah, I was. It's, it's got Christopher Hoffman and, and Brad Pitt. I was kind of underwhelmed, yeah. which means I, I need to watch it again. It might be one of those where I was in the the wrong frame of mind or something but yeah it had been so hyped up for me and I watched it it Got just didn't quite get there for me Jonah but...
0: Hill Robin Wright isn't it as well
1: yeah and I think it was one of, Pratt's in it it was one Which of Jonah Hill's remember. kind of first serious roles yeah that was quite nice to see that side to him uh, no I need to watch it again I do because I feel like I just I don't remember it well enough to comment
0: Fair enough. So, what we're going for for 2011? I think I don't think it's the strongest.
1: It has I mean, to it's be the drive, it? Year. I think it has to be Drive.
0: I think it does. I think it's the one we've can both agree to. I think yeah. for me, maybe the Guard because of how much I loved it. What about yourself? Did you? What did I you? I love the Guard. I
1: did. I I I prefer Drive. I think. Yeah, uh, but yes, yeah, I think the Guards are close second.
0: Okay, so let's go on to 2012.
1: So 2012 so, quite a quite a significant uh, year for film, really. We had it was a bumper uh, year. wasn't A bumper it? year. We had a Bond in the Skyfall, lots of um, Oscars for Argo, Silver Linings Playbook, the first Avengers film as well. So hugely significant in that, and, and a Tarantino film. So really big year, as you say, a bumper year for film. The Hunger Games uh, first film came out. Really, really significant year, actually. Um, what are yeah. the what are the big ones for you then this year?
0: Um, you've mentioned uh, three of them already okay. uh, Avengers which got called Avengers Assemble in the UK if you're listening to this outside of the UK um, they did that because they were afraid that we would confuse the 1960s TV show <laughs> with that with the you know the with Marvel action Reagan. cinema yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean when when what's he, what was the character called Slade or Wade no, or whatever he was a called queen. Or? not a queen. yeah yeah, when 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 Joanna Lumley didn't sh- turn up, I was
1: devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, Avengers was probably the most cinematically spectacular film I saw that year. Um, was very impressed with uh, what it, what it, what it did on screen. Um, and it
1: has to make a list for significance, doesn't it? Just to the first kind of Avengers film in in a decade of MCU films, really. Yeah, I mean, I remember walking out of the cinema because I I had two thoughts on it. I was like, oh,
0: well, it might be a bit cheesy. It might be a bit, you know, not as... Because at this point, uh, The Dark Knight Rises hadn't come out. So we only had uh, The Dark Knight and and Batman Begins from Nolan. And obviously The Dark Knight was such a stellar success. And I always felt that... I always felt the MCU was always a bit lightweight. I always thought it was a bit, you know, all shine and no substance. And to a point, it still is that at times. But this was the film that went, oh, it's not just bad. It's not daredevil, (laughs) you know, bad (laughs) level of bad film, you know, or Fantastic Four. It was still the
1: early days. It still wasn't, nobody, it would still be surprising to find out there's, you know, 25 films and it was going to gross billions of billions and billions of, of dollars. Yeah, I mean I've got an unpopular opinion here.
0: Iron Man One's a good film, but it's just fine. It's not it's not great. It's not amazing. It's, uh, they're it's, still fine. It's, it's fun in retros you know. yeah. It's fun in retrospect when you go back and watch it and it's better than two and three, but it's uh
1: you know, the bet there was a better superhero film that came out that year. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit overshadowed in two thousand and eight. Yeah, I mean for me yeah. I, I was really, I didn't care for, the, for Avengers at the time at all. I, I tried to watch it twice, fell asleep during it twice, because I'd, I think I might have seen Captain America by then, I'm not sure. I'd not seen any of the Iron Man films by then. I, I just didn't care about it. It was very smug, it was very Joss Whedon, and I didn't like it at all. And it's only in the last four years, really, that I've got into the MCU and then gone back and enjoyed Avengers and... Through Endgame, got to enjoy Avengers Assemble again. <laughs> you know, I think uh, they used time. it
0: as I think there's a few films in the. I think one of the successes what Marvel have had is they just kept making the films. So for every bad one you had, you had a good one, and if there was a and if there was a bad one, you had a, you might the next one might be good. Yeah, Do you, know you can I mean? sort of
1: forget Thor: Dark World, except that it yeah. introduced the ether. And yeah, you're right. I mean, and they just get different filmmakers to make them in different ways. And Black Panther's nothing like Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think you know we we are we are unashamed big fans of of Marvel and MCU. I think it's not uh, mutually exclusive with liking films and liking good films to also think the MCU and Marvel are, are cinema. I think also this this brings to a point that I don't think we're film buffs. I certainly wouldn't describe myself as a film buff. This has really helped actually this this little exercise in terms of looking at the the last decade because you know I've seen so few of these films really uh, through a combination of all kinds of things. Um, we're just sort of I think I'm a film enthusiast who's seen a fair amount of films, remembers films quite well, but I certainly don't think myself as a film buff. I don't know how you feel. How about
0: that? Um, I, I remember maybe at the beginning of this decade trying to want to be more film buffy uh, without <laughs> Josh Whedon pun intended. Um, yeah, and then I think I watched a few foreign language films and I was. I just was like, I'm not f- from this broken middle-class family in France. That, you know, <laughs> I don't have... My dad isn't a high-powered lawyer and my mum isn't a judge or a <laughs> neurosurgeon and, you know, I'm not going to have illicit sexual trysts with prostitutes in a back alley in Paris or Amsterdam, so... You know, I, I think there's a mistake that thinking being some of these films—they think they capture what it is to be human—and oftentimes it just they just capture what it's like to be bourgeois,
1: to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, you know, I don't think you'll ever seen have, it's not without merit. Don't get me film. wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah. But at the same time, I'm I kind of moved away from that and was like, mm, it's not really a life that I understand, I think, or will ever be involved with. So I'm yeah, I'm with yourself on that. I think I'm a film of of a different kind. I think I I kind of I like the mainstream and I take and I look at the mainstream and I will maybe look into it too much so I know more about mainstream film than probably that's healthy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I don't I don't keep up with film news in Empire magazine. There's a million films that I know I should have seen by now that I haven't that are on Netflix or I in Prime that I could just watch. I basically think I, I don't up, watch enough films. I keep up
0: with film news, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it but I'm very narrow in the window that I look at rather because um, I found my niche. You know, what I mean, I know what then. You know, a lot of the films we've covered on this film on the podcast so far, except for maybe the horror films, but I get them kind of through osmosis anyway. Um, I kind of keep up to date with like lots of comic book movies, big action movies, uh, big budget movies, or uh, n- not really the indie scene. If a good indie film comes out, then I might add it to a list and eventually watch it. But anyway, yeah. let's get back to 2012. 2012. So I've got a couple of other films I want to mention here. Uh, another visually stunning film, uh, what I went to see in the cinema, was Dread, Carl uh, Urban oh, and yeah. uh, Lena Headey. That yeah, good? that was... Uh, stunning in cinema, yeah. Um, done on quite a tight budget as well, um, considerable, considering. Didn't quite make its money. Should have got a sequel. Um, really authentic to the source material. Um, used um, knew it was going to do 3D and used the novelty of that in the film without it being obtrusive.
1: That's a good. That's a good line to to try and find, isn't it?
0: Yeah, basically what they do is there's this like drug that makes you kind of you can see the world in like hyper real real colours and you move really slowly when you're on the, dr- well you don't move slowly, you're moving at normal speed but it like slows down your visual perception so it looks like you're moving like really slow so whenever anybody's on this drug they, the, the colours really pop and the 3D just adds to it um, very well, very smart film, very well done very well made, um, can't recommend it enough actually
1: I'll check that out because I, I do like Carl Urban he's great in The Boys it was a prime sort of anti-comic book hero uh, series
0: yeah um, and then Ted I'd like to mention Ted as well really oh, yeah. enjoyed that film this year yeah I was looking forward to that coming out um, so much so that within the first couple of minutes of that film I was in hysterical laughter and couldn't stop laughing
1: <laughs> see for me 2012 was about the time I got bored of Seth MacFarlane uh, and that whole area. So I I don't even know if I watched Ted all the way through. Yeah, it wasn't for me that.
0: Yeah, I I really loved it. I mean, the joke that got me is when when Patrick Stewart's voiceover goes and nothing's more powerful than the wishes of a little boy except for an Apache helicopter that is two tons of pure death from above <laughs> something I don't like maybe that I'll try. I don't, I don't and he know. goes through all the specs and that was that was the bit at the beginning that got me laughing because it was just like yeah that's funny
1: can't <laughs> say it's
0: not um, a standout film from this year uh, so uh, affectionately known as Battle Royale with Cheese is yeah. The Hunger Games yeah um this was the little sleeper for me. I was not expecting this film to be anywhere near as good as it was going to be. I thought it was going to be watered down, uh, hot dog water, frankly. <laughs> uh, and it turned out to launch the mainstream career of Jennifer Lawrence. So, yeah, I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, and it was really right there in the, in the midst of all the, the YA um dystopia sort of stuff. I mean, we didn't mention in 2010 or 2011 the last two Harry Potter films You know, this was really the prime time for, for these kind of films, really.
0: Yeah, again they they were, the last Harry Potter film, The Deathly Hallows Part 2 uh, I think I saw both of them in the cinema Deathly Hallows, actually in fact I saw four of the last films all in cinema, I think I saw The right Order of the Phoenix um, what was the one after that I see, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy
1: yeah, Order of the Phoenix, it? Half-Blood Prince? No, there was one before that, wasn't there? Uh, uh, What's the fifth one called? That's Order of the Phoenix, I think. Yeah, Goblet of Fire, Order of Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows. Yes,
0: Deathly Hallows in part one and two. I saw all of them in the cinema, and I still think the best one's Goblet of Fire.
1: Yeah, what, I honestly? think probably... I mean, for me, probably Prisoner of Azkaban. I, um, I just finished reading the last Harry Potter book the day before I went to see Deathly Hallows part two I think I might have got this mm. slightly wrong but basically I hadn't seen two or three of the films and I'd only read one of the books Year, like when I was about 11 and then other than that I basically just read them all in a couple of months or a month or something, a um, combination of audiobooks and, and, and real books so that I could just finish it just in time to go see I think the last film, so at the start when I think spoiler alert, uh, Dobby dies right at, the, right at the end of, right at the start right at the end of the first one, right at the start of the second one, I basically had to have that whispered to me in the cinema. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And then I just kind of kept up from there, really. Fair enough,
0: fair but enough. Yeah, but yeah, they're
1: not, they're not. they weren't that significant, I think, for me, for this list. No,
0: not out of that, yeah. They didn't even register on my lists when I was compiling the lists, quite yeah. frankly. Um, so I think it's a toss-up between... The Hunger Games and
1: Avengers for me. Wow. Okay. That's pretty. Yeah. Well, for me, there's really only one winner from 2012, and it's The Master. This is a, a future episode of ours that we're gonna that we're gonna do. Right. Okay. Uh. So, Paul Thomas Anderson, it. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams. Um. And for me, it's Paul Thomas Anderson's best work and Philip Seymour Hoffman's best work. And I'm so looking forward to watching it again and talking about it talking to you about okay it. i'm really worried you're gonna hate it but you know i don't care um all that much uh, so that's the number one for me some of the really good films that year um killing them softly which didn't get enough of a release and enough talk about so it's brad pitt and it's kind of like uh just showing what scumbags men are really it's kind of a bit vaguely gangster underworld underworld assassin assassin type thing without without being slick it's very realistic. So it's got Ben Mendelssohn and I forget the name, I forget the name of the actor. Um, they're in a car, they're about to do a, a stick-up and, and he says, have you got the uh, the sawed-off shotgun? And he shows him the sawed-off shotgun and he's cut it off so short that you can see the cartridges. Like, and, yeah. so, and it's just this great visual gag and you go, okay, I know what kind of film this is. These guys, they're not, they're inept. <laughs> they're really inept. Um, and it's yeah really good film people don't really talk about it enough it was um, Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn they're, they're kind of carrying out this stick up so I need to watch yeah. that again um, Fair enough. another film that so, sticks out I think oh, from that year yeah. uh, a couple more actually so um, Sightseers we mentioned it in a, in a previous episode it was just a brilliantly funny film kind of don't want to give away too much I think you know a bit about it already but Sightseers really good uh, Ben uh, Wheatley film which I'd highly recommend. And the other one, have you seen Searching for Sugarman? I've never even heard of it, Sam. It's brilliant. It's a documentary and it's a guy called Sixto Rodriguez who was a kind of folksy rock and roll artist in the 60s. And basically it explains that in South Africa people would have on their shelves The Beatles, Bob Dylan, Rolling Stones and Sixto Rodriguez. And a lot of people in South Africa didn't realise that he wasn't huge in America and England like the others were. And it just turns out that it was down to bootlegging and uh, some of his records got bootlegged bootlegged, uh, to South Africa along with Dylan and so on. And then proliferated and became this huge star. Um, And there's lots of uh, kind of urban legends and tales about how he died and, you know, maybe he... One of the stories was that he was performing one night and then set himself on fire on stage and nobody really knows how he died and the the is kind of talking about his legacy in South Africa and, oh God, it's so good. And his music is brilliant. It's a bit sort of Bob Dylan here. There's kind of racial overtones to it because he's he's not white, he's a person of colour. So they were wondering if one of the reasons why he wasn't successful in America was because he wasn't white, uh, whereas most of his ones were and...
0: Yeah, so it I w- sounds, sounds like a future watch to be honest. I've
1: 100%, Yeah, and I don't want you to do any research into it whatsoever. That was just a right. Really well, we'll film. we'll
0: put that on the list. Yeah. of films to watch for next year, I think.
1: What um, other then for this year? Sorry, what other for this year? I would say is, um, I would say is Seven Psychopaths, the sort of Martin McDonough film after In Bruges. Um, I don't think it's that good, really. Yeah, I liked it at the time, but I've
0: never gone back to watch it. And I mean, obviously, every time I see you, we literally quote in, in, in Bruges. <laughs> yeah. Just for listeners' uh, understanding here, Sam has little alcoves in his uh, house that he lives in. <laughs> you use in. this word
1: alcoves? Uh, uh,
0: you, yeah, alcoves, you have this word. <laughs> and every time I see him, um, it can be, we can be, we can see each other for hours or minutes. I will always say that line to him. So. <laughs> it and will that's come how up at
1: some point, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, or he will mention it to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whereas so, Psychopaths, slightly less um, quotable. Good performances.
0: I, I, it's a good film, but I just... Yeah, I was left hollow by it. I was hoping for more, I guess. Maybe I, maybe I thought it was going to be too good.
1: Maybe so. Yeah, it's a high par. This is going to be a difficult year, then, for us to decide. Well, I
0: think, personally... It's between still think it's between the Hunger Games and Avengers, because Hunger Games is brilliant. Um, It it launched it you know the 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 Maze Runner might have got made, but it wasn't it wasn't probably going to be a successful. It wouldn't have got three films if it hadn't been for the Hunger Games. Yeah, all these or Divergent,
1: um, yeah, yeah. um, Well, I think uh, I think it's a very difficult difficult year for us to decide on. I think we'll go for this little known indie flick, Avengers Assemble. Um, Yeah, that's good for me. I think if those are the two for you, and I I think there's a... I don't think you've seen any of the ones I mentioned other than uh, Seven Psychopaths. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so, no. So, yeah, So that would be hard for us to to agree unanimously one of those, so I'll go Avengers Assemble.
0: Rightio. Yeah, I think think a rule for this list may be we have to recommend films that we've both seen. I think Um, that's fair. (laughs) As much as... I might retrospect. Uh, you know, we could retcon in this in the future if I watch when I see the master, and I agree with you that it's a, a masterpiece. Yeah. Ayo. Ayo. yeah. Um, Sam, yes. Now that we've agreed that, so so far we've got the social network driving Avengers. I think it's time for a wee break. I think so. For audience, a bit, yeah, yeah. So audience, coming up after the break, we're going to do 2013, 2014 and twenty
1: fifteen. Join us after the break.
0: Hello listeners, Hugh here again. So, that was part one of our three-part special for our end-of-decade review, but fear not, you can get parts two and three now on your podcast feed. And just a quick reminder, if you want to contact us here at the show, it's at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com for emails, and you can also contact us on Twitter at pleasewatchpod. That's pleasewatchpod. So if you like what you've just heard, go and jump into episodes two and three now. We'll see you there. Bye!